Davy Stevens, ringleted, passes with a bevy of barefoot newsboys. Davy Stevens. Messenger of the Sacred Heart and Evening Telegraph with St. Patrick's Day Supplement containing the new addresses of all the cuckolds in Dublin. The very reverend Canon O'Hanlon, in cloth of gold cope, elevates and exposes a marble timepiece. Before him, Father Conroy and the Reverend John Hughes, S.J., bend low. The timepiece, unportaling. The brass quoits of a bed are heard to jingle. The quoits. A panel of fog rolls back rapidly, revealing rapidly in the jury box the faces of Martin Cunningham, foreman, silk-hatted, Jack Power, Simon Dedalus, Tom Kernan, Ned Lambert, John Henry Menton, Miles Crawford, Lenehan, Paddy Leonard, Nosy Flynn, McCoy, and the featureless face of a nameless one. The nameless one. Bareback riding. Wait for age. Gob, he organized her. The jurors, all their heads turned to his voice. Really? The nameless one snarls. Ass over tip. Hundred shillings to five. The jurors, all their heads lowered in assent. Most of us thought as much. First watch. He is a marked man. Another girl's plat cut. Wanted Jack the Ripper. A thousand pounds reward. Second watch. Awed whispers. And in black. A Mormon. Anarchist. The crier, loudly. Whereas the pearl bloom of no fixed abode is a well-known dynamiter, forger, bigamist, bored and cuckold, and a public nuisance to the citizens of Dublin, and whereas at this commission are the sizes the most honourable... His honour, Sir Frederick Faulkner, recorder of Dublin, in judicial garb of grey stone, rises from the bench, stone-bearded. He bears in his arms an umbrella scepter. From his forehead arise starkly the mosaic ram's horns. The recorder. I will put an end to this white slave traffic and rid Dublin of this odious pest... Scandalous. He dons the black cap. Let him be taken, Mr. Subsheriff, from the dock where he now stands and detained in custody in Mountjoy Prison during His Majesty's pleasure and there be hanged by the neck until he is dead and therein fail not at your peril or may the Lord have mercy on your soul. Remove him. A black skull cap descends upon his head. The sub-sheriff, Long John Fanning, appears, smoking a pungent Henry Clay. Long John Fanning scowls and calls with rich rolling utterance. Who'll hang Judas Iscariot? H. Rumbold, Master Barber, in a blood-coloured jerkin and tanner's apron, a rope coiled over his shoulder, mounts the block. A life preserver and a nail-studded bludgeon are stuck in his belt. He rubs grimly his grappling hands, knobbed with knuckle-dusters. Rumbled to the recorder with sinister familiarity. Hanging Harry, your majesty, the mersey terror. Five guineas a jugular, neck or nothing. The bells of George's church toll slowly, loud, dark, iron. The bells. Bloom, desperately. Wait, stop, gulls. Good heart. I saw innocence. Girl in the monkey house. Zoo. Lewd chimpanzees. Breathlessly. 
pelvic basin, her artless blush unmanned me. Overcome with emotion. I left the precincts. He turns to a figure in the crowd, appealing. Hines! May I speak to you? You know me. That's three shillings you can keep if you want a little more. Hines, coldly. You are a perfect stranger. Second watch points to the corner. The bomb is here. First watch. Infernal machine with the time fuse. No, no. Pig's feet. I was at the funeral. First watch draws his truncheon. Liar! The beagle lifts his snout, showing the grey, scorbutic face of Paddy Dignam. He has gnawed all. He exhales a putrid, carcass-fed breath. He grows to human size and shape. His dachshund coat becomes a brown, mortuary habit. His green eye flashes bloodshot. Half of one ear, all the nose, and both thumbs are ghoul-eaten. Paddy Dignam, in a hollow voice. It is true. It was my funeral. Dr. Fenucan pronounced life extinct when I succumbed to the disease from natural causes. He lifts his mutilated ashen face moonwards and bays lugubriously. (coughs) Bloom, in triumph. You hear? Bloom, I am Paddy Dignam's spirit. List, list, oh list. The voice is the voice of Esau. Second watch blesses himself. How is that possible? First watch. It is not in the penny catechism. By metempsychosis. Spooks. Oh, rocks. Paddy Dignam, earnestly. Once I was in the employ of Mr. J.H. Menton, solicitor, commissioner for roads and affidavits of 27 Bachelor's Walk. Now I am defunct. The wall of the heart hypertrophied. Hard lines. The poor wife was awfully cut up. How is she bearing it? Keep her off that bottle of sherry. He looks round him. A lamp. I must satisfy an animal need. That buttermilk didn't agree with me. The portly figure of John O'Connell, caretaker, stands forth, holding a bunch of keys tied with crepe. Beside him stands Father Coffey, chaplain. Toad-bellied, wry-necked, in a surplus and bandana nightcap, holding sleepily a staff of twisted poppies. Father Coffey yawns, then chants with a hoarse croak. Namile, Jacob's war biscuit, salmon! John O'Connell foghorns stormily through his megaphone. Dignam, Patrick T., deceased! Paddy Dignam, with pricked-up ears, winces. Overtones. He wriggles forward, places an ear to the ground. My master's voice. John O'Connell. Burial docket, letter number UP. 85,000. Field 17. House of Keys. Plot 101. Paddy Dignam listens with visible effort, thinking, his tail stiff-pointed, his ears cocked. He worms down through a coal hole, his brown habit trailing its tether over rattling pebbles. After him toddles an obese grandfather rat on fungus turtle paws under a grey carapace. Dignam's voice, muffled, is heard baying underground. 
Dignum's dead and gone. Tom Rochford, Robin Redbreasted, in cap and breeches, jumps from his two-columned machine. Tom Rochford, a hand to his breastbone, bows. Reuben J. A flirting, I find him. He fixes the manhole with a resolute stare. My turn now on. Follow me up to Carlo. He executes a daredevil salmon leap in the air and is engulfed in the coal hole. Two discs on the columns wobble eyes of naught. All recedes. Bloom plodges forward again. He stands before a lighted house, listening. The kisses, winging from their bowers, fly about him, twittering, warbling, cooing. The kisses, warbling, twittering. Cooing. Warbling. Twittering. Warbling. They rustle. Flutter upon his garments. A light, bright, giddy flicks. Silvery sequins. A man's touch. Sad music. Church music. Perhaps here. Zoe Higgins, a young whore in a sapphire slip, closed with three bronze buckles, a slim black velvet fillet round her throat, nods, trips down the steps, and accosts him. Are you looking for someone? He's inside with his friend. Is this uh, Mrs. Max? No, 81, Mrs. Goins. You might go farther and fare worse. Mother slipper slapper. Familiarly. She's on the job herself tonight with a vet, her tipster, that gives her all the winners and pays for her son in Oxford. Working overtime, but her luck's turned today. Suspiciously. You're not his father, are you? Not I. You're both in black. Has little Mousy any tickles tonight? His skin, alert, feels her fingertips approach. A hand slides over his left thigh. How's the nuts? Uh, offside. Curiously, they are on the right. Heavier, I suppose. One in a million, my tailor messiah says. Zoe, in sudden alarm. You've a hard shanker. Not likely. I feel it. Her hand slides into his left trouser pocket and brings out a hard, black, shriveled potato. She regards it and Bloom with dumb, moist lips. A talisman, heirloom. <laughs> for Zoe, for keeps, for being so nice, eh? She puts the potato greedily into a pocket, then links his arm, cuddling him with supple warmth. He smiles uneasily. Slowly, note by note, oriental music is played. He gazes in the tawny crystal of her eyes, ringed with coal. His smile softens. You'll know me the next time. Bloom forlornly. I never loved a dear gazelle, but it was sure to... Gazelles are leaping, feeding on the mountains. Near are lakes. Round their shores file shadows black of cedar groves. Aroma rises, a strong hair growth of resin. It burns the Orient, a sky of sapphire, 
cleft by the bronze flight of eagles. Under it lies the woman city, nude, white, still, cool, in luxury. A fountain murmurs among damask roses. Mammoth roses murmur of scarlet wine grapes. A wine of shame, lust, blood exudes, strangely murmuring. Zoe, murmuring sing-song with the music, her odorless lips lusciously smeared with salve of swine fat and rose water. Shra ani veneva, benois hairushaloim. Bloom, fascinated. I thought you were of good stock by your accent. And you know what thought did? She bites his ear gently with little gold-stopped teeth, sending on him a cloying breath of stale garlic. The roses draw apart, disclose a sepulchre of the gold of kings and their mouldering bones. Bloom draws back, mechanically caressing her right bub with a flat, awkward hand. Are you a Dublin girl? Zoe catches a stray hair deftly and twists it to her coil. <laughs> no bloody fear. I'm English. Have you a swagger root? Bloom, as before. Rarely smoke, dear. Cigar now and then. Childish device. Lewdly. The mouth can be better engaged than with a cylinder of rank weed. Go on, make a stump speech out of it. Bloom, in workman's corduroy overalls, black gansey, with red floating tie and a pash cap. Mankind is incorrigible. Sir Walter Raleigh brought from the New World that potato and that weed, the one a killer of pestilence by absorption, the other a poisoner of the ear, eye, heart, memory, will, understanding, all. That is to say, he brought the poison a hundred years before another person whose name I forget brought the food. Suicide, lies, all our habits. Why, look at our public life. Midnight chimes from distant steeples. Bloom, in alderman's gown and chain. Electors of Erinkey, Innskey, Rotunda, Mountjoy and North Dock, better run a tram line, I say, from the cattle market to the river. That's the music of the future. That's my program, Cui Bono. But our buccaneering Vanderdeckens in their phantom ship of finance. An elector. Three times three for our future chief magistrate. The aurora borealis of the torchlight procession leaps. The torchbearers. Several well-known burgesses, city magnates and freemen of the city shake hands with Bloom and congratulate him. Timothy Harrington, late thrice Lord Mayor of Dublin, imposing in mayoral scarlet, gold chain and white silk tie, confers with Councillor Lorcan Sherlock, locum tenens. They nod vigorously in agreement. Late Lord Mayor Harrington, in scarlet robe with mace, gold mayoral chain and large white silk scarf. That alderman Sir Leo Bloom's speech be printed at the expense of the ratepayers that the house in which he was born be ornamented with a commemorative tablet, and that the thoroughfare hitherto known as Cow Parlour of Cork Street be henceforth designated Boulevard Bloom. Councillor Lorcan Sherlock. Carried unanimously. 
Bloom impassionedly. These flying Dutchmen, or lying Dutchmen, as they recline in their upholstered poop, casting dice, what wreck they? Machines is their cry, their chimera, their panacea. Labor-saving apparatuses, supplanters, bugbears, manufactured monsters for mutual murder. Hideous hobgoblins produced by a horde of capitalistic lusts upon our prostituted labor. The poor man starves while they are grassing their royal mountain stags or shooting peasants and fartridges in their purblind pomp of pelf and power. But their reign is rover forever and ever and ever. Prolonged applause. Venetian masts, maypoles, and festal arches spring up. A streamer bearing the legends Cade Mila Folcher and Mahtob Meleg Israel spans the street. All the windows are thronged with sightseers, chiefly ladies. Along the route, the regiments of the Royal Dublin Fusiliers, the King's Own Scottish Borderers, the Cameron Highlanders and the Welsh Fusiliers, standing to attention, keep back the crowd. Boys from high school are perched on the lampposts, telegraph poles, window sills, cornices, gutters, chimney pots, railings, rain spouts, whistling and cheering. The pillar of the cloud appears. A fife and drum band is heard in the distance, playing the Col Nidre. The beaters approach with imperial eagles hoisted, trailing banners and waving oriental palms. The chryselephantine papal standard rises high, surrounded by pennons of the civic flag. The van of the procession appears, headed by John Howard Parnell, city marshal, in a chessboard tabard, the Athlone Pursuivant and Ulster King of Arms. They are followed by the Right Honourable Joseph Hutchinson, Lord Mayor of Dublin, the Lord Mayor of Cork, their worships the mayors of Limerick, Galway, Sligo and Waterford, 28 Irish representative peers, sirdars, grandees and maharajas, bearing the cloth of a state, the Dublin Metropolitan Fire Brigade, the chapter of the Saints of Finance, in their plutocratic order of precedence, the Bishop of Down and Connor, His Eminence Michael, Cardinal Logue, Archbishop of Armagh, Primate of All Ireland, His Grace, the Most Reverend Dr. William Alexander, Archbishop of Armagh, Primate of All Ireland, the Chief Rabbi, the Presbyterian Moderator, the Heads of the Baptist, Anabaptist, Methodist and Moravian Chapels, and the Honorary Secretary of the Society of Friends. After them march the guilds and trades and train bands with flying colours, coopers, bird fanciers, millwrights, newspaper canvassers, law scriveners, masseurs, vintners, trussmakers, chimney sweeps, lard refiners, tabernet and poplin weavers, farriers, Italian warehousemen, church decorators, bootjack manufacturers, undertakers, silk mercers, lapidaries, salesmasters, cork cutters, assessors of fire losses, dyers and cleaners, export bottlers, fellmongers, ticket writers, heraldic seal engravers, horse repository hands, bullion brokers, cricket and archery outfitters, riddle makers, egg and potato factors, hosiers and lovers, plumbing contractors. After them, march gentlemen of the bedchamber, black rod, deputy garter, gold stick, the master of horse, the lord great chamberlain, the earl marshal, the high constable carrying the sword of state, 
St. Stephen's Iron Crown, the Chalice and Bible. Four buglers on foot blow a senate. Beefeaters reply, winding clarions of welcome. Under an arch of triumph, Bloom appears, bareheaded, in a crimson velvet mantle trimmed with ermine, bearing St. Edward's staff, the orb and scepter, with the dove, the katana. He is seated on a milk-white horse with long, flowing crimson tail, richly caparisoned with golden headstall. Wild excitement. The ladies from their balconies throw down rose petals. The air is perfumed with essences. The men cheer. Bloom's boys run amid the bystanders with branches of hawthorn and wren bushes. The wren, the wren, the king of all birds, St. Stephen's day was caught in the first. A blacksmith murmurs. For the honor of God, and is that Bloom? He scarcely looks thirty-one. A pavior and flagger. That's the famous Bloom now, the world's greatest reformer. Hats off! All uncover their heads. Women whisper eagerly. A millionaires, richly. Isn't he simply wonderful? A noblewoman, nobly. All that man has seen. A feminist, masculinely. And dumb. A bellhanger. A classic face. He has the forehead of a thinker. Bloom's weather. A sunburst appears in the northwest. The Bishop of Down and Connor. I here present your undoubted emperor, president, and king, chairman... The most serene and potent and very puissant ruler of this realm. God save Leopold I. God save Leopold I! Bloom, in dalmatic and purple mantle, to the Bishop of Down and Connor, with dignity. Thanks, somewhat eminent sir. William, Archbishop of Armagh, in purple stock and shovel hat. Will you to your power cause law and mercy to be executed in all your judgments in Ireland and territories thereunto belonging? Bloom, placing his right hand on his testicles, swears. So may the Creator deal with me. All this I promise to do. Michael, Archbishop of Armagh, pours a cruise of hair oil over Bloom's head. Gaudium monumentio vobis sabemus conficem. Leopold, Patrick, Andrew, David, George, be thy anointed. Bloom assumes a mantle of cloth of gold and puts on a ruby ring. He ascends and stands on the stone of destiny. The representative peers put on at the same time their twenty-eight crowns. Joy bells ring in Christchurch, St. Patrick's, George's and Gay Malahide. Myra's bizarre fireworks go up from all sides with symbolical fellow pyrotechnic designs. The peers do homage, one by one, approaching and genuflecting. I do become your liege man of life and limb to earthly worship. I do become your liege man of life and limb to earthly worship. I do become your liege man of life and limb to earthly worship. I do become your liege man of life and limb to earthly worship. Bloom holds up his right hand, on which sparkles the Koh-i-Noor diamond. His palfrey neighs. Immediate silence. Wireless, intercontinental, and interplanetary transmitters are set for reception of message. My subjects, we hereby nominate our faithful charger, Copula Felix, hereditary Grand Vizier, 
and announce that we have this day repudiated our former spouse and have bestowed our royal hand upon the Princess Selene, the splendor of night. The former morganatic spouse of Bloom is hastily removed in the Black Mariah. The Princess Selene, in moon-blue robes, a silver crescent on her head, descends from a sedan chair, borne by two giants. An outburst of cheering. John Howard Parnell raises the royal standard. Illustrious Bloom, successor to my famous brother. Bloom embraces John Howard Parnell. We thank you from our heart, John, for this right royal welcome to Green Erin, the promised land of our common ancestors. The freedom of the city is presented to him, embodied in a charter. The keys of Dublin, crossed on a crimson cushion, are given to him. He shows all that he is wearing green socks. Tom Kernan. You deserve it, Your Honor. On this day, twenty years ago, we overcame the hereditary enemy at Ladysmith. Our howitzers and camel swivel guns played on his lines with telling effect. Half a league onward, they charge. All is lost now. Do we yield? No. We drive them headlong. Lo, we charge, deploying to the left our light horse swept across the heights of Plevna, and uttering their war cry, Bona fide Sabbath, saber the Saracen gunners to a man. The chapel of Freeman typesetters. John Wise Nolan. There's the man that got away, James Stevens. A blue-coat schoolboy. Bravo! An old resident. You're a credit to your country, sir, that's what you are. An apple woman. He's a man like Ireland once. My beloved subjects, a new era is about to dawn. I, Bloom, tell you verily it is even now at hand. Yea, on the word of a Bloom, ye shall ere long enter into the golden city which is to be the new Blue Muslim in the Nova Hibernia of the future. Thirty-two workmen wearing rosettes from all the counties of Ireland, under the guidance of Derwin, the builder, construct the new Blue Muslim. It is a colossal edifice, with crystal roof, built in the shape of a huge pork kidney, containing 40,000 rooms. In the course of its extension, several buildings and monuments are demolished. Government offices are temporarily transferred to railway sheds. Numerous houses are razed to the ground. The inhabitants are lodged in barrels and boxes, all marked in red with the letters L.B. Several paupers fall from a ladder. A part of the walls of Dublin, crowded with loyal sightseers, collapses. The sightseers, dying. They die. A man in a brown Macintosh springs up through a trapdoor. He points an elongated finger at Bloom. The man in the Macintosh. Don't you believe a word he says? That man is Leopold Macintosh, the notorious fire-raiser. His real name is Higgins. Shoot him, dog of a Christian. So much for Macintosh. A cannon shot. The man in the Macintosh disappears. Bloom, with his scepter, strikes down poppies. The instantaneous deaths of many powerful enemies, graziers... Members of Parliament, members of standing committees are reported. Bloom's bodyguard distribute Maundy money, commemoration medals, loaves and fishes, temperance badges, expensive Henry Clay cigars, free cow bones for soup, 
rubber preservatives in sealed envelopes tied with gold thread, butterscotch, pineapple rock, billet doux in the form of cocked hats, ready-made suits, porringers of toad-in-the-hole, bottles of Jay's fluid, purchase stamps, forty days' indulgences, spurious coins, dairy-fed pork sausages, theatre passes, season tickets available for all tram lines, coupons of the royal and privileged Hungarian lottery, penny dinner counters, cheap reprints of the world's twelve worst books, Froggy and Fritz, Politic, Care of the Baby, Infantilic, Fifty Meals for Seven and Six, Culinic, Was Jesus a Sun Myth, Historic, Expel That Pain, Medic, Infant's Compendium of the Universe, Cosmic, Let's All Chortle, Hilaric, Canvas's Vade Mecum, Journalic, Love Letters of Mother Assistant, Erotic, Who's Who in Space, Asterisk, Songs That Reached Our Heart, Melodic, Pennywise's Way to Wealth, Parsimonic, A General Rush and Scramble, Women Press Forward to Touch the Hem of Bloom's Robe, The Lady Gwendolyn Dubedat Bursts Through the Throng, Leaps on His Horse, and Kisses Him on Both Cheeks Amid Great Acclamation. A magnesium flashlight photograph is taken. Babes and sucklings are held up. The women. Little father! Little father! The babes and sucklings. Clap, clap, hands till pony comes home. Cakes in his pocket for Leo alone. Bloom, bending down, pokes baby Boardman gently in the stomach. Baby Boardman hiccups, curdled milk flowing from his mouth. Bloom... Shaking hands with a blind stripling. My more than brother. Placing his arms round the shoulders of an old couple. Dear old friends. He plays pussy four corners with ragged boys and girls. Peep, bo peep. He wheels twins in a perambulator. Tick tack too, would you set a shoe? He performs juggler's tricks. Draws red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet silk handkerchiefs from his mouth. Roy, give thirty-two feet per second. He consoles a widow. Absence makes the heart grow younger. He dances the Highland Fling with grotesque antics. Leg it, you devils! He kisses the bed sores of a palsied veteran. Honorable wounds. He trips up a fat policeman. You pee up! You pee up! He whispers in the ear of a blushing waitress and laughs kindly. Ah, naughty, naughty. He eats a raw turnip, offered him by Morris Butterley, farmer. Fine, splendid. He refuses to accept three shillings, offered him by Joseph Hines, journalist. My dear fellow, not at all. He gives his coat to a beggar. Please accept. He takes part in a stomach race with elderly male and female cripples. Come on, boys. Wiggle it, girls. The citizen, choked with emotion, brushes aside a tear in his emerald muffler. May the good God bless him. The ram's horns sound for silence. The standard of Zion is hoisted. Bloom uncloaks impressively, revealing obesity, unrolls a paper and reads solemnly. Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, Haggadah, Tefillim, Kosher, Yom Kippur, Hanukkah. Rosh Hashanah, Benne Brit, Bar Mitzah, Matzot, Ashkenazim, Meshugatalit. An official translation is read by Jimmy Henry, assistant town clerk. The court of conscience is now open 
His Most Catholic Majesty will now administer open-air justice, free medical and legal advice, solution of doubles and other problems, all cordially invited, given at this our loyal city of Dublin in the year one of the paradisiacal era. Paddy Leonard. What am I to do about my rates and taxes? Pay them, my friend. Thank you. Nosy Flynn. Can I raise a mortgage on my fire insurance? Bloom, obdurately. Sirs, take notice that by the law of torts you are bound over in your own recognizances for six months in the sum of five pounds. J.J. O'Malloy. A Daniel, did I say? Nay, a Peter O'Brien. Nosy Flynn. Where do I draw the five pounds? Pisser Burke. For bladder trouble. Acid nit, hydrochlordil, 20 minims, tinct nux vom, 4 minims, extra taraxyl leak, 30 minims, actis terindiae. Chris Callanan. What is the parallax of the subsolar ecliptic of Alderbaran? Pleased to hear from you, Chris. T11. Joe Hines. Why hadn't you in uniform? When my progenitor of sainted memory wore the uniform of the Austrian despot in a dank prison, where was yours? Ben Dullard. Pansies? Embellish. Beautify suburban gardens. When twins arrive? Father, pater, dad, starts thinking. Larry O'Rourke. An eight-day license for my new premises. Uh, You remember me, Sir Leo, when you were in number seven. I'm sending around a dozen of stout for the missus. Bloom, coldly. You have the advantage of me. Lady Bloom accepts no presents. Crofton. This is indeed a festivity. Bloom, solemnly. You call it a festivity. I call it a sacrament. Alexander Keyes. When will we have our own house of keys? I stand for the reform of municipal morals and the plain Ten Commandments. New worlds for old. Union of all, Jew, Muslim, and Gentile. Three acres and a cow for all children of nature. Saloon motor hearses. Compulsory manual labor for all. All parks open to the public day and night. Electric dish scrubbers. Tuberculosis, lunacy, war, and mendicancy must now cease. General amnesty, weekly carnival with masked license. Bonuses for all. Esperanto, universal language with universal brotherhood. No more patriotism of bar spongers and dropsical impostors. Free money, free love, and a free lay church in a free lay state. O'Madden Burke. Free fox in a free henroost. Davy Byrne, yawning. Mixed races and mixed marriage. Lenahan. What about mixed bathing? Bloom explains to those near him his schemes for social regeneration. All agree with him. The keeper of the Kildare Street Museum appears, dragging a lorry on which are the shaking statues of several naked goddesses. Venus Calipige, Venus Pandemos, Venus Metempsychosis, and plaster figures, also naked, representing the new nine muses. Commerce, operatic music, amour, publicity, manufacture, liberty of speech, plural voting, gastronomy, private hygiene, seaside concert entertainments, painless obstetrics, and astronomy for the people. Father Farley. He is an Episcopalian, an agnostic, an anythingarian, seeking to overthrow our holy faith. Mrs. Reardon tears up her will. I'm disappointed in you, you bad man. Mother Grogan. Removes her boot to throw it at Bloom. You beast! You abominable person! Nosy Flynn. Give us a tune, Bloom. 
One of the old sweet songs. Bloom with rollicking humour. I vowed that I never would leave her. She turned out a cruel deceiver. With my tooraloom, 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 tooraloom. Hoppy Holohan. Good old Bloom. There's nobody like him after all. Paddy Lennon. Stage Irishman. What railway opera is like a tramline in Gibraltar? The Rose of Castile. <laughs> Lenahan. Plagiarist down with Bloom. The Veiled Sibyl, enthusiastically. I'm a Bloomite, and I glory in it. I believe in him in spite of all. I'd give my life for him. The funniest man on earth. Bloom winks at the bystanders. I bet she's a bonny lassie. Theodore Purifoy. In fishing cap and oilskin jacket. He employs a mechanical device to frustrate the sacred ends of nature. The veiled Sibyl stabs herself. My hero God! She dies. Many most attractive and enthusiastic women also commit suicide by stabbing, drowning, drinking prussic acid, aconite, arsenic, opening their veins, refusing food, casting themselves under steamrollers from the top of Nelson's pillar into the great vat of Guinness's brewery, asphyxiating themselves by placing their heads in gas ovens, hanging themselves in stylish garters, leaping from windows of different stories. Alexander J. Dowie, violently. Fellow Christians in anti-bloomites, the man called Bloom is from the roots of hell, a disgrace to Christian men, a fiendish libertine from his earliest years, the stinking goat of Mendes, Gave precocious signs of infantile debauchery, recalling the cities of the plain with a dissolute grandam. This vile hypocrite, browns with infamy, is the white bull mentioned in the apocalypse. A worshipper of the scarlet woman, intrigue is the very breath of his nostrils. The steak faggots and the cauldron of boiling oil are for him, Caliban! The mob. Lynch him! Roast him! He's as bad as murder was, Mr. Fox! Mother Grogan throws her boot at Bloom. Several shopkeepers from Upper and Lower Dorset Street throw objects of little or no commercial value. Ham bones, condensed milk tins, unsaleable cabbage, stale bread, sheep's tails, odd pieces of fat. Bloom, excitedly. This is midsummer madness. Some ghastly joke again. By heaven, I am guiltless as the unsunned snow. It was my brother, Henry. He is my double. He lives in number two Dolphin's barn. Slander, the viper, has wrongfully accused me. Fellow countrymen, scalene born botter coastagon couple, I call on my old friend, Dr. Malachy Mulligan, sex specialist, to give medical testimony on my behalf. Dr. Mulligan, in motor jerkin, green motor goggles on his brow. Dr. Bloom is bisexually abnormal. He has recently escaped from Dr. Eustace's private asylum for demented gentlemen. Born out of bedlock, hereditary epilepsy is present, the consequence of unbridled lust. Traces of elephantiasis have been discovered among his ascendants. There are marked symptoms of chronic exhibitionism, and dexterity is also latent. He is prematurely bald from self-abuse, perversely idealistic in consequence, a reformed rake, and has metal teeth. In consequence of a family complex, he has temporarily lost his memory, and I believe him to be more sinned against than sinning. 
I have made a pervaginal examination, and after application of the acid test to 5,427 anal, axillary, pectoral, and pubic hairs, I declare him to be Virgo Intacta. Bloom holds his high-grade hat over his genital organs. Dr. Madden. Hyperspadia is also marked. In the interest of coming generations, I suggest that the parts affected should be preserved in spirits of wine in the National Territological Museum. Dr. Crothers. I have examined the patient's urine. It is albuminoid. Salivation is insufficient. The patellar reflex intermittent. Dr. Punch Costello. The feta eudiacus is most perceptible. Dr. Dixon reads a bill of health. Professor Bloom is a finished example of the new womanly man. His moral nature is simple and lovable. Many have found him a dear man, a dear person. He is a rather quaint fellow on the whole, coy though not feeble-minded in the medical sense. He has written a really beautiful letter, a poem in itself, to the court missionary of the Reformed Priests Protection Society, which clears up everything. He is practically a total abstainer, and I can affirm that he sleeps on a straw litter and eats the most Spartan food, cold dried grocer's peas. He wears a hair shirt winter and summer and scourges himself every Saturday. He was, I understand, at one time a first class misdemeanant in Glencree Reformatory. Another report states that he was a very posthumous child. I appeal for clemency in the name of the most sacred word our vocal organs have ever been called upon to speak. He is about to have a baby. General commotion and compassion. Women faint. A wealthy American makes a street collection for Bloom. Gold and silver coins, bank checks, banknotes, jewels, treasury bonds, maturing bills of exchange, IOUs, wedding rings, watch chains, lockets, necklaces and bracelets are rapidly collected. Oh, I so want to be a mother. Mrs. Thornton in Nurse Tender's gown. Embrace me tight, dear. You'll soon be over it tight, dear. Bloom embraces her tightly and bears eight male yellow and white children. They appear on a red carpeted staircase adorned with expensive plants. All are handsome, with valuable metallic faces, well-made, respectably dressed and well-conducted, speaking five modern languages fluently and interested in various arts and sciences. Each has his name printed in legible letters on his shirt front. Nazodoro, Goldfinger, Chrysostomus, Mandore, Silver Smile, Zilber Zelba, Vifargent, Panargyros. They are immediately appointed to positions of high public trust in several different countries, as managing directors of banks, traffic managers of railways, chairman of limited liability companies, vice-chairman of hotel syndicates. A voice. Bloom, are you the Messiah Ben Joseph or Ben David? Bloom, darkly. You have said it? Brother Buzz. Then perform a miracle. Bantam Lions. Prophecy, who will win the Saint Ledger? Bloom walks on a net, covers his left eye with his left ear, passes through several walls, climbs Nelson's pillar, hangs from the top ledge by his eyelids, eats twelve dozen oysters, shells included, heals several sufferers from King's evil, contracts his face so as to resemble many historical personages, Lord Beaconsfield, Lord Byron, Watt Tyler, Moses of Egypt, Moses Maimonides, Moses Mendelssohn, Henry Irving, Rip Van Winkle, Kossuth, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, Baron Leopold Rothschild, Robinson Crusoe, Sherlock Holmes, Pasteur. Turns each foot simultaneously in different directions, bids the tide turn back. It clips the sun by extending his little finger.
Brini, papal nuncio, in papal zouave's uniform, steel cuirasses as breastplate, arm plates, thigh plates, leg plates, large profane moustaches and brown paper mitre. Leopoldi autem generatio. Moses begat Noah, and Noah begat Eunuch, and Eunuch begat O'Halloran, and O'Halloran begat Guggenheim, and Guggenheim begat Agendath, and Agendath begat Netaim, and Netaim begat Lahirs, and Lahirs begat Jesurum, and Jesurum begat Mackay, and Mackay begat Ostolopsky, and Ostolopsky begat Smerdoz, and Smerdoz begat Weiss, and Weiss begat Schwartz, and Schwartz begat Adrianopoli, and Adrianopoli begat Aranjuez, and Aranjuez begat Louis Lawson, and Louis Lawson begat Ikoburunosor, and Ikoburunosor begat O'Donnell Manius, and O'Donnell Manius begat Christbaum, and Christbaum begat Ben Maimoun, and Ben Maimoun begat Dusty Rhodes, and Dusty Rhodes begat Ben Amor, and Ben Amor begat Jones and Smith, and Jones and Smith begat Savornanovich, and Savornanovich begat Jasper Stone, and Jasper Stone begat Vante Uniem, and Vante Uniem begat Sombatele, and Sombatele begat Virag, and Virag begat Bloom, et vocabiter nomen eos, Emmanuel. A dead hand writes on the wall. Bloom is a cod. A crab in Bushranger's kit. What did you do in the cattle creek behind Kill Barrack? A female infant shakes a rattle. And at the Ballybock Bridge. A holly bush. And in the Devil's Glen. Bloom blushes furiously all over from Franz to Natis, three tears falling from his left eye. Spare my past. The Irish evicted tenants in bodycoats, knee breeches, with Donnybrook Fair shillelaghs. Shambock him. Bloom, with ass's ears, seats himself in the pillory with crossed arms his feet protruding. He whistles Don Giovanni, Achen Arteco. Artane orphans, joining hands, caper round him. Girls of the prison gate mission, joining hands, caper round in the opposite direction. The Artane orphans. You think you hug, you dirty dog, you think the ladies love you. The prison gate girls. F-U-C-K Tell Hornblower, in ephod and hunting cap, announces, And he shall carry the sins of the people to Azazel, the spirit which is in the wilderness, and to Lilith, the night hag. And they shall stone him and defile him, yea, all from Agendath, Netaim, and from Mizraim, the land of Ham. All the people cast soft pantomime stones at Bloom. Many bona fide travellers and ownerless dogs come near him and defile him. Mastiansky and Citron approach in gabardines, wearing long earlocks. They wag their beards at Bloom. Mastiansky and Citron. Belial, Lenline of Istria, the false Messiah, Abu Lafia. George S. Messias, Bloom's tailor, appears, a tailor's goose under his arm, presenting a bill. Messias. Two alteration, one pair trousers, eleven shillings. Bloom rubs his hands cheerfully. Just like old times, poor Bloom. Reuben J. Dodd, black-bearded Iscariot, bad shepherd, bearing on his shoulders the drowned corpse of his son, approaches the pillory. Reuben J. whispers hoarsely. The squeak is out. His is gone for the flatties. Nip the first rattler. The fire brigade. Brother Buzz invests Bloom in a yellow habit with embroidery of painted flames and high-pointed hat. 
he places a bag of gunpowder around his neck and hands him over to the civil power, saying, Forgive him his trespasses. Lieutenant Myers of the Dublin Fire Brigade, by general request, sets fire to Bloom. Lamentations. The Citizen. Thank heaven! Bloom, in a seamless garment marked IHS, stands upright amid phoenix flames. Weep not for me, O daughters of Erin! He exhibits to Dublin reporters traces of burning. The daughters of Erin, in black garments with large prayer books and long lighted candles in their hands, kneel down and pray. The daughters of Erin. Kidney of Bloom... Pray us. Flower of the bath. Pray us. Mentor of Menton. Pray us. Canvasser for the free man. Pray us. Charitable mason. Pray us. Wandering soap. Pray us. Sweets of sin. Pray us. Music without words. Pray us. Reprover of the citizen. Pray us. Friend of all frillies. Pray us. Midwife most merciful. Pray us. Potato preservative against plague and pestilence. Pray us. A choir of 600 voices, conducted by Mr. Vincent O'Brien, sings the Alleluia Chorus, accompanied on the organ by Joseph Glynn. Bloom becomes mute, shrunken, carbonized. Zoe. Don't go away till you're black in the face. Bloom, in Corbeen, with clay pipe stuck in the band, dusty brogues, an emigrant's red handkerchief bundle in his hand, leading a black bog-oak pig by a sugon, with a smile in his eye. Let me be gone now, woman of the house, for by all the goats in Connemara, I'm after having the father and mother of a baiting. With a tear in his eye. All insanity, patriotism, sorrow for the dead, music, future of the race. To be or not to be, life's dream is o'er. End it. Peacefully. They can live on. He gazes far away mournfully. I am ruined. A few pastilles of aconite. The blinds drawn. A letter. Then lie back to rest. He breathes softly. No more. I have lived. Fair. Farewell. Zoe, stiffly, her finger in her neck fillet. Honest, till the next time. She sneers. <laughs> Suppose you got up the wrong side of the bed, or came too quick with your best girl. Oh, I can read your thoughts. Bloom, bitterly. Man and woman, love, what is it? A cork and bottle. Zoe, in sudden sulks. I hate a rotter that's insincere. Give a bleeding whore a chance. Bloom, repentantly. I'm very disagreeable. You are a necessary evil. Where are you from, London? Zoe, glibly. Hogs Norton, where the pigs play the organs. I'm Yorkshire-born. She holds his hand, which is feeling for her nipple. I say, Tommy Tittlemouse, stop that and begin worse. Have you cash for a short time? Ten shillings? Bloom, smiles, nods slowly. More, hoorie, more. And Moore's mother. She pats him off-handedly with velvet paws. Are you coming into the music room to see our new pianola? Come, and I'll peel off. Bloom, feeling his occiput dubiously, with the unparalleled embarrassment of a harassed peddler gauging the symmetry of her peeled pears. Somebody would be dreadfully jealous if she knew the green-eyed monster. 
Earnestly. You know how difficult it is. I needn't tell you. Zoe, flattered. What the eye can't see, the heart can't grieve for. She pats him. <laughs> Come. Laughing witch. The hand that rocks the cradle. Baby. Bloom, in baby linen and pelisse, big-headed, with a call of dark hair, fixes big eyes on her fluid slip and counts its bronze buckles with a chubby finger, his moist tongue tolling and lisping. One, two, three, three, two, three. The buckles. Love me? Love me not? Love me? Silent means consent. With little parted talons, she captures his hand, her forefinger giving to his palm the past touch of secret monitor, luring him to doom. Hortans, gold gizzard. He hesitates amid scents, music, temptations. She leads him towards the steps, drawing him by the odor of her armpits, the vice of her painted eyes, the rustle of her slip, in whose sinuous folds lurks the lion reek of all the male brutes that have possessed her. The male brutes, exhaling sulfur of rut and dung, and ramping in their loose pockets, faintly roaring, their drugged heads swaying to and fro. <laughs> Zoe and Bloom reach the doorway where two sister whores are seated. They examine him curiously from under their penciled brows and smile to his hasty bow. He trips awkwardly. Zoe, her lucky hand instantly saving him. Oops! <laughs> Don't fall upstairs. The just man falls seven times. He stands aside at the threshold. After you is good manners. Ladies first, gentlemen after. She crosses the threshold. He hesitates. She turns and, holding out her hands, draws him over. He hops. On the antlered rack of the hall hang a man's hat and waterproof. Bloom uncovers himself, but seeing them, frowns, then smiles, preoccupied. A door on the return landing is thrown open. A man in purple shirt and grey trousers, brown-socked, passes with an ape's gait, his bald head and goatee beard upheld, hugging a full water-jug jar, his two-tailed black braces dangling at heels. Averting his face quickly, Bloom bends to examine on the hall table the spaniel eyes of a running fox. Then, his lifted head sniffing, follows Zoe into the music room. A shade of mauve tissue paper dims the light of the chandelier. Round and round, a moth flies, colliding, escaping. The floor is covered with an oilcloth mosaic of jade and azure and cinnabar rhomboids. Footmarks are stamped over it in all senses, heel to heel, heel to hollow, toe to toe, feet locked, a morris of shuffling feet without body. Phantoms, all in a scrimmage, higgledy-piggledy. The walls are tapestried with a paper of yew fronds and clear glades. In the grate is spread a screen of peacock feathers. Lynch squats cross-legged on the hearthrug of matted hair, his cap back to the front. With a wand, he beats time slowly. Kitty Ricketts, a bony, pallid whore in navy costume, doe-skinned gloves rolled back from a coral wristlet, a chain purse in her hand, sits perched on the edge of the table, swinging her leg and glancing at herself in the gilt mirror over the mantelpiece. A tag of her corset lace hangs slightly below her jacket. Lynch indicates mockingly the couple at the piano. Kitty coughs behind her hand. She's a bit imbecilic. She signs with a waggling forefinger. Lamp, lamp. Lynch lifts up her skirt and white petticoat with the wand. She settles them down quickly. Respect 
yourself. She hiccups, then bends quickly, her sailor hat under which her hair glows red with henna. Oh, excuse. Zoe. More line like Charlie. She goes to the chandelier and turns the gas full cock. Kitty peers at the gas jet. What ails it tonight? Lynch, deeply. Enter a ghost and hobgoblins. Clap on the back for Zoe. The wand in Lynch's hand flashes. A brass poker. Stephen stands at the pianola, on which sprawl his hat and ash plant. With two fingers, he repeats once more the series of empty fifths. Florrie Talbot, a blonde, feeble, goose-fat whore in a tatterdemalion gown of mildewed strawberry, lolls spread-eagle in the sofa corner, her limp forearm pendant over the bolster, listening. A heavy sty droops over her sleepy eyelid. Kitty hiccups again with a kick of her horsed foot. Oh, excuse. Zoe, promptly. Your boy's thinking of you. Tie a knot on your shift. Kitty Ricketts bends her head. Her boa uncoils, slides, glides over her shoulder, back, arm, chair to the ground. Lynch lifts the curled caterpillar on his wand. She snakes her neck, nestling. Stephen glances behind at the squatted figure, with its cap back to the front. As a matter of fact... It is of no importance whether Benedetto Marcello found it or made it. The right is the poet's rest. It may be an old hymn to Demeter, or also illustrate Cela and Arant Gloriam Domini. It is susceptible of nodes or modes as far apart as hyperphrygian and mixolydian, and of texts so divergent as priests high-hooping round David's, that is, Circe's, or, what am I saying, Ceres' altar, and David's tip from the stable to his chief bassoonist about his almightiness. Mais, non de non. That is another pair of trousers. Jetez la gomme. Faut que jeunesse se passe. He stops, points at Lynch's cap, smiles, laughs. <laughs> Which side is your knowledge bump? The cap with saturnine spleen. Ah, it is because it is. Woman's reason. Jew, Greek is Greek Jew. Extremes meet. Death is the highest form of life. Bah! You remember fairly accurately all my errors, boasts, mistakes. How long shall I continue to close my eyes to disloyalty, Whetstone? Ah. Here's another for you. He frowns. The reason is because the fundamental and the dominant are separated by the greatest possible interval, which... Which? Finish, you can't. Stephen, with an effort. Interval, which... is the greatest possible ellipse, consistent with... The ultimate return. The octave. Which? Which? Outside, the gramophone begins to blare the holy city. Stephen, abruptly. What went forth to the ends of the world to traverse not itself? God. The sun. Shakespeare. A commercial traveller, having itself traversed in reality itself, becomes that self. Wait a moment. Wait a second. Damn that fellow's noise in the street. Self which it itself was ineluctably preconditioned to become. Echo. Lynch, with mocking whinny of laughter, <laughs> grins at Bloom and Zoe Higgins. What a learned speech, eh? Zoe, briskly. God help your head. He knows more than you have forgotten. With obese stupidity, Florrie Talbot regards Stephen. Florrie. They say the last day is coming this summer. Kitty. No! Zoe explodes in laughter. <laughs> 
unjust God. Flurry offended. Well, it was in the papers about Antichrist. Oh, my foot's tickling. Ragged, barefoot newsboys jogging a wagtail kite patter past, yelling. Stop press edition! Results of the rocking horse races! Sea serpent in the royal canal! Safe arrival of Antichrist! Stephen turns and sees Bloom. A time. Times and half a time. 